5, verse 11. We'll start there in verse 11. The whole chapter is awesome. But we're going to start actually and pick up in verse 11. And it says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame to even speak of those things that are done in secret. Boy, you would have thought he's writing this today, right? Amen. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now you know he's, he's not writing this to people that are not saved. The book of Ephesians is written to believers. Amen. And he says, Awake thou that sleepeth. Amen. I know a lot of parents sometimes will quote that to their teenage sons and daughters. <laughs> Awake thou. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. You know, you can't really tell the difference between a person that's sleeping and a person that's actually dead. Until you go over and check their pulse. You know what I'm saying? And Paul is saying right here, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou, verse 14, that sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now look at verse 16. Let's read that together. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Let's do that again. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. I'm going to start a new series today called Redeeming the Time. Redeeming the Time. Now, I want to read this verse 16 in the NLT, just verse 16. And it says here, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do you see that? Now, let's check it out in the Amplified Translation. The Amplified Translation, that's Ephesians 5, verse 16. Make the most, the very most of time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Praise God. Now, notice that the Apostle Paul, now he wrote this book of Ephesians. And I, I would say in the New Testament, as far as the epistles go, all the epistles, this is my favorite book in the epistles, the book of Ephesians. And it's one of the most vital, important books in the New Testament. I mean, it is absolutely the most, one of the most powerful books because it tells you who you are in Christ, how the devil's been defeated, talks about how to put on the armor of God, you know, and so forth and so on. And, uh, but Paul says here by the Holy Spirit that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Amen. Now, I remember even in my own life, you know, back in the day, I was born in 1960, okay? And so, I, even in my lifespan, I can look back and I can see how things have gotten progressively worse. How many know what I'm talking about? The media, television, this thing, that thing, uh, especially what's in the media for, for us to see with our eyes and to hear with our ears. Things have gotten progressively worse and people tolerate things a whole lot worse than they did even years ago. You know, there was a time when the, the movie Gone with the Wind came out. And the guy used a curse word in there. Remember that? And everybody apparently was shocked. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? They were like, oh, did you hear that? Well, that's, that's like today, that's like child's play as far as people are concerned. So the enemy has brought so much evil into this earth. All the evil that you see in the earth today comes from the devil. The thief, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief, the devil, comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. So anything that robs or kills or destroys in the earth today, spirit, soul, or body, is of the enemy. And so Paul says right here in the book of Ephesians that we are to redeem the time or make the most of our time to buy up opportunities for our time. Now I want to ask a question here. This is not a trick question, but God placed all these people upon the earth from, the, from Genesis all the way up until now. What is the thing that every single one of us have in common? Anyone want to take a guess? Just a wild guess. What do we all have in common? That's true. 
I'll, get, I'll give you the right answer according to this right here. Every single human being on the planet Earth, from, from Adam up until right now, 2017, each person has an equal amount of time per day. Every single human has 24 hours, no matter who they are, rich or poor, young or old, no matter how long they've been on this earth, every single human being has 24 hours per, per day. Nobody has less, nobody has more. God has allotted a 24-hour period, which He calls a day, to each and every person. Now, how we manage those 24 hours that God has given us will literally determine what type of future that we're going to have. And that's when he says we are to redeem the time or make the most of our time. How many of you ever here felt like you wasted time at some point in your life? Anybody here been there? I could raise both hands, feet. I mean, you feel like, man, I just wasted a whole day here. Just wasted time. And it's frustrating when that happens, isn't it? Because you're like, man, I could have done so much more with my time. All of us have experienced that. All of us have been down that road. All right? And so, wasting time, there's a pain that's felt with that because we realize, I could have done this and I really did this. All right? So, we're going to talk about how to redeem the time, how to make the most of your time while you're on this earth. It's so important. Now, it's important that when it comes to managing our time, number one, if you're going to redeem the time, if you're taking notes, how to redeem the time is we have to see time from God's perspective. We have to see time from God's perspective. Now, if you go to, uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for a minute here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 23, very familiar scripture here. I think we even mentioned this last week in our service. Different subject, but, but notice the, the Apostle Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, in the very God of peace. Notice he's called the God of peace. Shalom. And uh, it's the Hebrew word for shalom is the word peace. And the word peace is shalom, which literally means in the Hebrew, wholeness. Wholeness. Now we often think of that's just the way the Jewish culture greets one another. Shalom. You know what I'm saying? But actually what it means is this. It means wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken in a person's life. So when you say shalom, you're saying, are you, is there anything missing? Is there anything broken? Are you whole? Now God's desire is that you be whole, W-H-O-L-E, not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E, whole. God wants you to be whole in your emotions. God wants you to be whole in your physical body. God wants you to be whole in your finances. He wants you to be whole in your relationships. Now this scripture right here says, And the very God of peace would sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, up to the very time that you leave this earth, let's put it like that, God wants you to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So when we're looking at Managing our time and redeeming the time, we have to look at time from God's perspective. And what God has given us, you have to nourish it and you have to manage it. How many of you know that God gave you a body? Okay? Everybody just look at each other. You got a body, right? You're here. Now, if, if, if you check out, your body's has no right to exist anymore. If your spirit checks out of your body, <laughs> your body's just going to fall to the ground. Your body is nothing more than like a glove. You know, if I put a glove up here and I put my hand in that glove, that glove has no power to move on its own. But as, if I put that glove around my hand and I move this hand, that glove will move to the way that my hand, and that hand is like your spirit. The Bible says that faith without works is dead, so the, the body without the spirit is dead. If you take the spirit out of your body, your body collapses. Like that glove, if I took my hand out of that glove, that, that glove has no way to function on its own. It will just collapse. What gives you your personality? What gives you the life that you have? It's your human spirit that's on the inside of you. Amen? 
And what God gives us, we have to maintain it. And it also needs nourished and fed. How many of you know your body needs nourished and fed? All right? Y'all with me now? Your body needs nourished and fed. To survive on this earth, you have to feed your body and preferably the right stuff. Amen? You want to put the right kind of stuff in your body. You know, it's, it's like your, your gas tank. You wouldn't pull up to a gas station and say, you know what? I don't, want, I don't feel like paying these prices. I'm going to put water in my tank today. Give me a hose. <laughs> Guess what? You're not going to go very far. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Well, your body has to have the right fuel in it, okay? Now, that's not our subject here, but what God gives you by His grace, you have to maintain it. We have to maintain that. God gave you a physical body, and you also have a soul. And your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, your intellect. And that's where you make choices. That's where you make decisions. And you come to a, a why in the road, you know, the, your soul says, I'm going to go this way or go this way, all right? And so we have to maintain our bodies, we have to maintain our souls, and we also have to maintain our spirits. Now there's a scripture, if you would, turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. I just want to show you something here. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, uh, the, the Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Amen. Now, what does that mean? The Lord detests dishonest scales. See, back in Bible times, they had scales and they would weigh things and that's what they would charge, depending on what it was, and they would charge a certain amount. Well, there were people that had dishonest scales and they would tip the scale to make it go in their favor. Basically, what, what happened is they're lying. Okay? But let's look at it this way. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. There, we have to have balance in our lives. We have what God has given us to maintain. We have to have proper balance. Many times sickness and disease is a result of an, of an improper balance of diet. Many times. I mean, uh, eating the wrong things, drinking the wrong things, putting bad stuff. Amen? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach bondage or anything like that, but if you look at a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi... And you read what's in that, and you're sucking that stuff down. You are going to open yourself up to sickness and disease. Okay? Because let me tell you something. Those chemicals were never meant to be digested in your physical body. <laughs> I just lost about 15 people. <laughs> Preach the whole counsel of God, Pastor Keith. I mean, I'm not preaching the law and stuff like that. Well, well, Pastor, I pray over my Coke before I drink it. You're wasting your time. That's the truth. God never intended for you to be... Now, am I saying you won't go to heaven if you drink a Coke? No, you might go there sooner. Just kidding. But... You have to realize that this, this stuff they push on the market, they push this stuff, they sell it, put it in front of your face, you know, and especially like the Super Bowl, I mean, Coke commercial, Coke commercials, Pepsi, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, and it, you, you get so used to seeing that in your eyes that it's like, everybody's doing it, it must be normal, okay? But let me tell you something, God did not intend for you to drink and ingest stuff in your body that's genetically altered junk. Okay, And that's why your body tries to fight that stuff. And that's why stuff happens in your body and your cells and stuff like that. Okay, Because of those things. I'm just going to touch on that for right now. But I'm talking about proper balance in your life. Proper balance in your life is so important. There's enough information out there now that you can learn. I mean, you just go on, the, you just go on YouTube and you can find out about all kind of stuff. I mean, good stuff. You can learn about what's good to eat, what isn't good to eat, what's good to drink. So forth and so on. But notice it says that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. And uh, to maintain what we have that God has given us. He's given us a body. He's given us a soul. He's given us a spirit. You know, and, and relationships. 
you know, and finances and all these things. We have to properly maintain those things to, to create proper balance so that we can be fully blessed in those particular areas. Amen. Now, I'm kind of laying a foundation here, but first of all, how do we redeem the time? Number one, we have to see time from God's perspective, all right? All people have 24 hours a day, and it's what we do with those, in those 24 hours that we determine our future, our outcome. Amen? Now, if we've had wrong balance in our lives, it's not too late to turn that around. Do you know you can turn it around? The second thing of how, how do we redeem the time, number two, is to see priorities in the right perspective. See priorities in the right perspective. Now, I look at it like this. For example, when God created Adam, first man, put him in the Garden of Eden. And we're talking about how to redeem the time, how to make the most of your time. The very first thing that Adam had before Eve ever came along was a relationship with God. Amen. Adam had a relationship with the Lord before Eve came along. So, on God's priority list, God's priority list is to take care of first things first, and that is our proper relationship with God. Amen? Now, I don't know why it is, but especially in these days that we're living in right now, um, a, a standard response to people, you ask them, hey, how's it going? Busy. Amen? I get that all the time. I ask people, how's it, how's it going? Busy. Busy, Pastor Keith. Oh, okay. I understand. But we all have 24 hours, right? Now, busy doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the right thing. How many of you know that? Amen. How many of you can get on a treadmill and turn that thing all the way up? And you can be, man, you can be plowing along, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> getting your heart rate up, but you're not moving. You can get in your car, put it in neutral, rev up the engine, you know, but you're not going anywhere, right? Just being busy doesn't mean that a person, a man or a woman, is managing their time correctly. How many know what I'm talking about? So God gave, first of all, first and foremost, I want to talk about this priority in God's, in God's, from God's viewpoint, managing our time, redeeming the time. The very first thing that we have to maintain in order for the rest of our lives, it's like that domino effect. I'm sure, have you ever done that before? You've set up dominoes, 30, 40, whatever, and you press that one and one hits the other, the other hits the other, before you know they're all down. Have you ever see that before? We call that the domino effect. Your, your spirit is what has a relationship with God. And that spirit, man, has to be maintained. Okay? Your spirit, man, has to be fed. It has to be balanced. It has to be maintained. And when you balance your relationship, first and foremost, your spiritual relationship with God, that will have a domino effect on every single area of our lives. It will affect our children. It will affect our grandchildren. It will affect our neighbors. It will affect our coworkers. It will affect everything around us. Amen? You see, our private relationship with God uh, will affect, oh, let, let me put it to you this way, our, our vertical relationship, that's a better way to put it, our vertical relationship with God will affect our horizontal relationship with people. Our vertical relationship with God will affect our horizontal relationship with people. And many times people try to maintain their horizontal relationships, but they're not maintaining that vertical relationship with God. Amen? But the good news is, is that we can tweak things, we can change things. And many times it's not so much a drastic change, you know what I mean? You have to pull the wheel off the road. It's just a little bit of an adjustment. You know, if you're driving down the parkway right now, 376, and you're driving straight ahead, did you know, without even thinking about it, you're still constantly making little adjustments. You don't just, you know. I remember when I was younger, when I, years ago, when my brother, he's 15 years younger than me, 
He, uh, he said, your car has cruise control? I go, yeah. He thought that meant that I take the hands off the wheel and it just takes over. It was so funny. I'll still bring that up to him once in a while. He was young. He says, you got cruise control. That means it just drives for you. That would be, no, no, no. <laughs> People's perspective, right? But even on a, on a straight highway, you're constantly making little adjustments to stay in the middle in that lane that you're supposed to be in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. My wife always gives me a hard time because I don't know it's just an unconscious thing. She goes, why do you look at me when you're driving? She said, keep your eyes on the road. I said, well, there is a thing called peripheral vision. I got eyes. Amen. She said, why do you have to look at me? I don't know. It's just the way it is. You look at me and drive and how, why, you know, but I, you know, it's always, it's always worked out. <laughs> we could go, I know. It's not that I'm purposely doing it, but you know. How many husbands know what I'm talking about, huh? I mean, it's a fact that guys are just a little bit better drivers. You know what I mean? That's the best response I got all day, praise the Lord. You know I'm just teasing you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Where did I get off here? Where where was I going with this? You were on 376. 376. But uh, well, I was talking about tweaking things in our lives, and you know, there are, there are times where I've gotten busy doing things, and I was like, oh, I got spent too much time doing this. I should have been doing this more, you know. And we always pay a price. Somehow we pay a price for that, you know. But I know God's been the last couple of years. He's been really talking to me much more about a healthy relationship with Him is the most important thing that you can ever do on this earth. I mean, when a person, I don't care, they could be a multi, multi-millionaire, and they check out of this place, right before they check out of this place, you know what matters to them? Not how much money's in the bank. You know what matters to them? Relationships. When a kid, when a child is born into this earth, money doesn't mean anything. What means everything to them is relationships. Amen. And that, that really is the most important thing because we as human beings, we are eternal beings which are going to live forever. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so uh, if we see perspective, if we see uh, the, uh, our priorities from God's perspective, and this is what I want to talk about today is our relationship with the Lord. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a minute here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. How do we redeem the time? Well, again, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the church of Corinth, said this, God is faithful. Aren't you glad He's faithful? What does that mean? That means He can be counted on. Do you know if a person's faithful, you can count on them? Amen. You can count on God more than anybody else. Amen. The Lord told me one time, He said, Son, I've never missed a church service yet. Even when I was on vacation somewhere, he says, I was there. I said, boy, Lord, you got a good record. Amen. Well, if someone's faithful, you can count on them being there when you need them. And more importantly, God is the king of faithfulness. God can be counted on thick and thin every single day. He will be there for you. You can take it to the bank. Glory to God. And he says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want you to see something here. The very first chapter here in 1 Corinthians. It says, Paul says, God is faithful by whom you were what? Say called. Do you know you have a call on your life? Every one of you here have a call on your life. Well, I didn't know that, Pastor Keith. I thought that was the people that stood behind the pulpit. No, there's a higher calling. Okay? This is my secondary calling doing this. My first calling is my fellowship with the Lord. It says right here, God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship. Now, he didn't say God is faithful by whom you were called to preach the Word. He didn't say that. He said, God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Did you know, in case you don't, I will tell you right now, the thing that excites God more than anything else in this earth, that I hate to use the phrase turns on, you know, because people can take that different ways, but the thing that just thrills the heart of God more than anything else is when His sons and His daughters take time to commune with Him. That's what God, that's what thrills the heart of God. I know that because the Lord told me that once. He spoke that to my heart. Now it's all through the scripture. But let me tell you something. There's nothing, there's nothing that thrills the heart of God more than when His sons and His daughters take time to commune with Him, to fellowship with Him. What does that mean? It just means to communicate. Back and forth. You talking to God, God talking to you. You talking to God, God talking to you. Hallelujah. And you can cultivate a hearing ear. Do you know that as a believer you can cultivate a hearing ear to the point where you're hearing God on a regular basis. Now you're not hearing it with these ears right here. I'm not saying your outward ears. But you're hearing it with the inward ear. Kind of like this, where Jesus said in John 10, He says, My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. There's a lot of guidance scriptures. Jesus said, When the Holy Spirit comes, He'll teach you all things, He'll bring all things to your remembrance, and He'll show you things to come. The Holy Spirit is just as committed to teaching you all things as Jesus was committed to going to the cross. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1 9, God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now there's something about getting in God's presence. Okay? Now you don't have to be in church for that to happen. Now we do experience that in church. But God wants to, you know, when you leave here today and then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all through the week, God wants to be able to communicate with you and share things with you that will lift you up, that will build you up, that will change the course of your life. Praise God. We become terribly frustrated when we don't take the time to let our spirits be ministered to by the Lord. It's easily you can become easily irritated, easily frustrated uh, with people, especially people, and, uh, and get fearful and get afraid, get full of care and full of worry when we don't have our proper time with God. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that you're going to go spend eight hours a day in the presence of God in prayer. I'm not saying that because most of us don't have that kind of time to do that, all right? But I can say this, the Bible says pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Have an attitude of prayer all the time. I try to maintain, I, I, I haven't always succeeded at that, but I'm sure pressing in that direction, is I've always tried to have an ear open to the Holy Spirit. Whether I'm communicating, I can be talking with somebody, I mean having a conversation with them, but at the same time I'm hearing them with these ears, but inside me I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, that's something you do on purpose. It doesn't just happen. You have to purpose to have a hear. Jesus said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. That, that's us. So we have to have ears to hear what God is saying to us. Now, the Scripture tells us that there are many voices in the world, and they all have significance. There's a lot of voices, right? Man, if you hear them all talking together, it's like a party line. If you hear, like, like you, you can't even make it out. All you hear is a bunch of voices talking, all right? And that's kind of the way this world is. But we can be so homed in and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us every single day, right there on the job. Glory to God. I've had God speak to me in the most unusual places before. Amen. I could be driving down the road. I could be in a conversation with somebody. I could be in the shower. You know, I could be walking down the street. I could be anywhere. I could be on an airplane. I could be on a bus. Amen. And I can still hear the Spirit of God talking to me. Amen. Most of the time, when God is talking to us, we don't think it's Him. 
We don't think it's him. We think it's just us. Well, that's just my mind talking to me. Well, listen, there's a person that lives on the inside of you. We've talked about that for a while, haven't we? About a baby that's in the side of a mom. There's another person in that mother. Then why is it so hard for us to think that the Holy Spirit, who is a person, by the way, lives on the inside of us, wants to lead us, wants to guide us, wants to direct us, you know? And uh, if we're listening to Him, He will tell us the most amazing things. Glory be to God. Oh, He's so awesome. Amen? You see, when you got born again, you didn't just get your slate wiped clean. Forgiveness of sins. That's, that happened. As far as the east is from the west, He's removed your transgressions. But let me tell you something. A new birth means somebody else took up residence on the inside of you. And that person is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you believe that, you'll never be bored again. Amen? Oh, my God. I wake up in the morning and I think, thank you, Lord. I've got you on the inside of me today. Hallelujah. No matter what I feel like. Because sometimes you wake up, you know, and your flesh is like, I'm tired today. <laughs> it's a long week. Rough week at work. Right? But hey, God still lives on the inside of you. He still lives there. You don't have to have everything just perfect for Him to speak to you. You could be in the middle of a really frustrating situation and God will still speak to you. And I got news for you. Listen really closely. There's no one that believes in you like God believes in you. There's a lot of times you'll give up on yourself, you'll give up on other people, and God just stays in there. He keeps hanging in there because He's invested everything He has in you, and He is not about to give up on you. Amen. So many times we're, we're so quick to give up on ourselves. Well, oh, I disappointed you, Lord. I really messed up. Well, guess what? God's still standing there saying, you know what? I believe in you. You're going to make it. You're going to make the right choice. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Forget the past. You can't change that anyway. But you can change the future. You can make a choice today. And I'm going to start walking with Christ. I'm going to start walking with Him. Hallelujah. Amen. I know a few years ago when I, when I was faced with some serious physical challenges in my body, life-threatening type things, two, two in particular, it was during those during that time, and, and I'm totally, completely healed, by the way, now. Completely healed by the power of God. I felt stronger than when I was 16 years old in every way. And, uh, but it made me more conscious of my spirit. I mean, I was always aware of that, but it made me even more conscious of the fact that I am a spirit being. And I have a purpose. I'm here for a purpose, you know. And instead of going the way of the flesh and going the way of the natural, I got focused on the inside of me and I said, Lord, what's going on here? What do I need to know? What choices do I need to make? Amen. Mm -hmm. And I became more focused in my spirit about my purpose and why I'm here. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. All of you are here for a reason and a purpose. And uh, when you understand that reason, that purpose... Life takes on a different meaning. Praise God. You get your checklist. I got all these things. A checklist. How many of you like checklist people? You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. A lot of times we substitute accomplishments for fellowship with God. You can work for God and not have fellowship with God. Think about that. Well, it's the truth. You can be work, you can be doing things for God, but not really have that intimate fellowship with God. Case in point, Martha and Mary in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 10. Is that 10? Luke chapter 10. We won't turn there for time. But you know, Martha and Mary were sisters. Remember that? They had a brother named Lazarus who was raised from the dead. And Jesus was friends with this family. And they were far from perfect, but Jesus came over in Luke chapter 10. You can read about it. How many of you remember the story of Martha and Mary? <laughs> I love that story. I just love it. And Jesus shows up. He was invited to come to their house for dinner. And so here you got Martha and Mary, two sisters. 
Jesus shows up. Come on in, Jesus. He comes in. You know, I'm kind of setting the, the picture here. And Mary, as soon as she saw Jesus, she, she got down on her knees, got on her feet. She sat there because she just wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Remember that? But Martha, her sister, came out of the same house. Amen. Same parents. She is in the kitchen trying to fix a meal for the master. For all of them, actually. And she got irritated and she got frustrated while she was in the kitchen because she was upset at her sister because she thought her sister was being lazy bones. You ever hear that phrase before? Slacker. Lazy bones. Right? And, uh, and she just had enough. She's in there preparing whatever the food was. She comes out there. I can almost imagine her putting her hands on her hips and saying, Jesus? She's feeling justified in her thoughts. She's like, she's, she's correcting Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, don't you care that, that, that my sister has left me to get this meal? I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. To prepare this meal and while she's sitting here just doing nothing, listening to you. Now she really thought that she was going to be justified by telling this to Jesus. And then Jesus was going to turn to Mary and say, Mary, put it on pause here. Put the pause button on. Go in the kitchen and help your sister. Remember that? But that's not what happened. Here comes the lowdown. <laughs> Amen. She's She's just going out, you know. Why? She needs to come in here and help me. All she's doing is just sitting there listening to you, wasting her time. Now, see, she's task-driven, task-oriented. Now, there's nothing wrong with being task-driven or task-oriented, but you've got to have the fellowship and the right heart behind it. You've got to have the right heart behind it. Or it's just empty. It's just dead works. Okay? Jesus turned to Martha, who was saying this. He says, now he called her name twice. He says, Martha, Martha. Now when your name's called twice, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's like when my parents used to call me by my first, middle, and last name. <laughs> I was in trouble. He said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. That's what he said to her. He says, but Mary hath chosen the best part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. Can you imagine her just kind of like, oh man, why did I say that? She probably, she was chastised, but it was love chastising her. Amen. He wasn't just being mean to her. He was chastising her because he loved her. He said, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the the, one translation says the best dish that will never be taken away from her. So here you got two sisters. Here you got Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to every word that he said. It looks like she's a slacker. It looks like she's lazy. Here you got Martha in there fixing everything in the kitchen. She's doing everything. Okay. <laughs> But let, me t- but let me tell you something. There is nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. What she was doing was not wrong. She had the wrong attitude. She had the wrong heart. She wasn't operating out of peace. Okay? It wasn't what she was doing. It's the attitude behind it. You can be doing things but have the wrong heart and the wrong spirit, and then it becomes a, it becomes a grievous frustration. Okay? But if she had had the right attitude and the right heart with it, man, she could have been in there praise. God, Jesus is in here making this meal for the Son of God. Glory to God. She could have walked out there and been, had the same reward as Mary did. Okay? But here's the, here's the thing. And they come out of the same household. They had two different mindsets. And Mary had the mindset of, I've got to hang on every word he says. I, I, 
I can't go one second without, I've got to hear what he has to say. She put value on him speaking to her. Do you see? See what I'm saying? Where Martha was just so, I mean, if you thought, stop and think about it, Jesus, the Son of God, sitting in my living room, and I'm in here all worried about this meal right here. Right? If it go figure, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Mary put value on Jesus speaking to her. Hallelujah. And that's what, that's what Jesus was thrilled about when it came to Mary. And that's what he is thrilled about today when we give him time. Amen. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with being busy and doing things, you know, if you have your own business and things like that. But let me tell you something. You've got to put first things first in order for the blessing of God to really be as it should. Many times God's best is held back because we're not putting first things first priority-wise. And it says in Corinthians, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's go to one more scripture in Revelation uh, chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Smith Wigglesworth, if you heard that name before, how many heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? And, 24 people raised from the dead. He lived back in the 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, the apostle of faith, I mean, had revival on every inhabited continent in the world. Powerful man of God. He made this statement. He said, fellowship is the parent of real faith. Fellowship is the parent of real faith. When we fellowship with the Lord, His faith becomes our faith. Who you hang out with will affect you. I mean, if you know that. I mean, it even says that in the, in the Bible in a negative sense. It, the Bible says, don't hang out with an angry person lest you learn his ways. That's what the Bible says. So, who you hang out with will influence your life, one good or bad. Amen. It's really up to you. Who you hang out with, now I'm not saying you don't get down in the dirt with people and help minister to them, but who you really hang out with, they're either bringing you up or they're bringing you down, one way or the other. Praise God. And folks, I would rather have no friends than the wrong friends. I can tell you that right now. I'd rather have just me and Jesus than to be with the wrong people. Amen? Praise God. That's a hard saying sometimes, but it's the truth. Sometimes people want their social needs met so bad. Oh, God, oh, God, I just want some friends. But sometimes when you have that kind of mindset, you can compromise and you step over into territory you shouldn't be in. Are you with me now? And Jesus wants to be. See, I learned that young. I learned that as a teenager. There is a period in my life where, where when I got saved and I came to the Lord. And the rest of my friends, my so-called friends wanted to continue on in their lifestyle of partying and partying and more partying and doing these kind of things. And, and I realized that after I got saved, I didn't want to do that anymore. I got saved 40 years ago this weekend. This was the weekend. I was at a youth camp. I was 16 years old. 40 years ago, this weekend, I gave my heart to Jesus. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, there were some things that fell off of my life that needed to come off of my life. Amen. And I was, I was glad to get rid of some of that stuff. I was. And, uh, but there was a period in my life where I felt I was more isolated, you know, because I realized that person's not good for me. They're going to bring me down. And I learned the hard way sometimes. You know what I mean? And then I realized, I don't need that. It's not that I don't dislike them, but I'm not so desperate that I need to have that kind of a friend that's going to pull me down. And so there was a time that I pulled away and I said, it's just me and you, Lord. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, I wasn't lonely at all. I wasn't lonely at whatsoever. I said, thank you, Lord. You know, but there came a time and then God started putting the right people in my path. You know what I'm saying? And this is one of them right here. <laughs> Amen. But so many times we, 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 we compromise and we try to get, take a shortcut to get something that God wants to give us. Anytime that you take a shortcut to get what you think you need is going to cost you in the end. Thank you for that one amen back there. Anyway. 
Okay, Revelation 3, we'll wind this, wind this up here. Now keep in mind about Martha and Mary right here. In Revelation 3, verse 19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be therefore, be zealous therefore and repent. Now what does that mean? That means when the Lord corrects us, be willing to make the change. Now maybe, maybe there were some things that were even said today in this service that were kind of like, oh, that's tough, you know. But if you're willing to make a heart change and you're willing to say, you know what, Lord, I need to change in that area, God will smile to you and He'll work with you. He will. There's times I've felt chastened of the Lord, my Lord. And, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. As many as I love, I rebuke. You, you, you might say, well, I surely feel loved. <laughs> as many as I love, I rebuke. Now, of course, the Lord doesn't rebuke you all the time. But if, if you need it, that doesn't mean He's mad at you and He's, you know... He's really worked up about you. That the Lord just corrects you. The Lord loves you. He always corrects you with love. He doesn't come down hard on you. That's not the way our Lord is. But let's, let's read on here. Uh, verse 20, he says, Behold. Now that's not furniture polish, all right? <laughs> he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice... And open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. And he to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in, in thy throne, even as my father overcame, and I am set down with my father in the throne. Now here's what I want you to see. I never saw this until right now. Notice the connection between verse 20 and 21. God says, I stand at the door and knock. Now, this is not written for sinners. This was written to the church. This, this, this scripture, this chapter in the book of Revelation was not written to sinners. Like I'm standing at the door knocking, please open, your door, open the door so I can come in. He's actually writing to believers here. He says right here, I stand at the door. Amen. Except the doorknob is only on one side of the door. And that's on our side. Every day God's like, I'm busy, Lord. I got a lot of stuff to do today. Got a lot of work to do today. Amen. And there's the only doorknob on the door is the door on the inside of the door. And then you open the door and say, all right, Lord, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. But notice, if we sup with him and he with us, verse 21 says, to him that overcometh. There's a great key between overcoming obstacles in this life and the devil and demons and evil spirits with verse 20 when you're supping with him, fellowshipping with him, because there will be sufficient faith in your heart to do that thing and overcome that thing if you have a right relationship with God. Okay? Now, how can we simplify this? Well, it's just practicing... I want to keep things really simple and really basic. It's just talking to the Lord. Practice talking to the Lord. I talk to the Lord. You know you don't, you don't have to open this mouth in order to communicate to God. Did you know that? Uh, and, and some of these testimonies that I've seen on YouTube and some of these people that have been to heaven, he, they said that words are not necessary. When you're in the presence of the Lord and you're with the Lord, uh, you hear what He's saying. He hears what you're saying, but you're not even opening your mouth. Spirit to spirit contact. All right? And I've had conversations with the Lord without even moving my lips. Just talking to the Lord. Just laying on my bed, just listening. Just talking to the Lord. Walking along. Just communicating out of your spirit to the Lord. And when you begin to practice doing that. Because see, I used to always have the mindset like, you know, I had to be on my knees, you know. Nothing wrong with getting on your knees. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then praying like that, that's all good and that's fine. But I think God would rather have you going about your business and just practicing His presence when you're in the car, when you're going somewhere, when you leave church today. Thank you, Lord. 
And I'll, sometimes I'll just say, Lord, thank you for that beautiful sunset. I'll do stuff like that. I'll talk to the Lord because He created all that stuff. Amen. I mean, it might sound silly or whatever. I'm like, Lord, thank you for that beautiful tree or that beautiful bush or that flower. And I'll hear in my spirit, yes, son, I created that just for you. <laughs> Amen. How many of we all enjoy different things? And there's such a variety. God's a God of variety. Oh, my goodness. Amen. And everybody has different likes and different tastes and stuff like that, food-wise, flower-wise, tree-wise. I mean, you name it, pet-wise. You know what I'm saying? Different types of dogs, different types of cats, whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, God's created so many different types of things because He knows that each one of us have different desires. But when you practice fellowshipping with Him, talking with Him, I found that it's so much easier to stay the course and to stay on track. I'm a much more effective person as a pastor when my fellowship is intact with God. But I've been there through the years where I got so busy doing the work of the ministry, trying to help people and stuff like that, but that I haven't spent adequate time with the Lord like I needed to. And sometimes I've just had to pull back and reassess and say, nope, the first part of this day belongs to the Lord. Amen. To really dedicate and consecrate to Him. Thank you, Lord. Have I hit it 100% of the time? Not always. Okay? But I'm quick to repent and get right back in there and say, okay, Lord. Okay. Thank you, Lord. And it's just easier that when you're in the flow with Him, we're talking about redeeming the time. And the, the thing I wanted, the first thing I wanted to hit on today is to realize that in God's eyes, in God's priorities, Adam had a relationship with God before he had a relationship with Eve and then with Cain and Abel, his children. That's the way God set it up. So when you realize that your first priority in your life should be the Lord, your relationship with Him. If your relationship is intact with God in that vertical relationship, that will impact, trust me, it will impact your Horizontal relationship with everybody else. Things just go a whole lot better. Many times, um, the reason that things don't go quite right in our lives, many times the reason that we experience much frustration in our lives, and many times we, we don't have sufficient faith for the battle ahead of us that we're facing, is because... Our fellowship is not where it should or could be. But you know what the good thing is? Feel your pulse. Can you feel your pulse? Okay. Your heart's still beating, right? You've got time to change. Okay. Everybody take a big breath. You're still breathing. And there's, there's time to change. As many as the Lord loves, He chastens. But He's doing it for our purpose. Amen? Don't try to be someone else's conscience. See, sometimes it's easy when you hear a message like this to be uh, somebody else's conscience. Amen? Sure. To put them under conviction. It's like your job to be the convictor. <laughs> Man, I've been there. I can't tell you how many times. I know recently the Lord said, do not try to ever be someone else's conscience. I said, oh, God, forgive me. Repent. I repent from that. Don't try to be someone else's conscience. He said, if they're, if they're a child of God, they've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of them, I can communicate to them. Amen? Yes. But many times we're, we try to put people under conviction, right? Because we're trying to be Holy Ghost Junior. <laughs> put that hat on. Amen? And let me tell you something. It's so freeing and you can just go, Glory to God. I don't have to try to fix someone. I don't have to change someone. I don't have to. I can't change anybody except me. Not even by myself can I change myself. It's the Lord yielding to him that he can help me change. Praise God. Did this help anybody this morning? Praise God. I thoroughly, I'm thoroughly convinced that this week is going to take on a whole nother meaning like you've never seen before. There's going to be 
an enthusiasm and a, and a joy in your walk with Christ like you've never known before. And I'll tell you, I'll close with this. You do not have to be perfect in the flesh for God to communicate with you, to fellowship with you, and to commune with you. Not one of us in this room, including me, are not perfect in the flesh. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> None of us are perfect in the flesh. All of us have little idiosyncrasies and things that we do that, that, that if we spent a lot of time with each other, we would figure that out. Isn't that true? And the more time that you spend with a person in the flesh, you realize, I didn't know that about them. But here's the, here's the reality. All of us have things, I'm sure I have things in the natural that irritate people. I'm sure of that. Ask my family. They'll, be, they'll, they'll tell you. Amen. But we all do. Okay? But here's the thing. God does not wait for you to be perfect in the flesh for Him to communicate with you, for Him to work. God worked with those disciples. I'm telling you, those, those 12 disciples had all kinds of issues. Oh God, if you were to have a job interview and you would have picked them, you would have thought, you just made a major mistake. I mean, look at the kind of guys that Jesus chose. Those 12 disciples were full. They had all kind of issues. They had competitive spirits. They were comp competing with one another, trying to see who's going to sit at the right hand, at the left hand, you know, and one's getting jealous, and one's a thief, you know. I mean, these are far from perfect people. But you know, Jesus knew what He was getting when He got them, and He knows what He got when He got us. Okay? And in the flesh, we're not perfect yet, in the flesh. But in the Spirit, we're perfect. In the Spirit, we're the righteousness of God. In the Spirit, we're born again. We have what it takes. And that's why we're to know one another after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Okay? Hallelujah. And just knowing that God, He just... He's able to look beyond your faults. He's able to look beyond the, the weaknesses that you and I have in the flesh. And He's able to say, come on, follow me. I'll make you into something. Didn't that, wasn't that what Jesus said? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That meant that was a process. Okay? They weren't there yet. He said, if you just follow me. And I believe Jesus is saying today, just follow me. Just follow me and I'll make you into something. I'll make you into something if you follow me. He doesn't just throw us out there on our own and says, go do it now. He says, no, follow me. Isn't that wonderful? I know with, with eagles and stuff like that, when the little eaglet becomes old enough to fly on its own, basically that mother will push that eagle out of the nest. It's uncomfortable for that little eagle. That's when he discovers his wings. Is that what those things are for in the end of my, my body? You know what I'm saying? Well, see, God doesn't just push us out of the nest and say, go to it. You're on your own now. He's never like that. He says, I'm going to walk with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, Lord. See, God doesn't just kick us out of the nest and say, go do it. Go do it on your own. He is right there with us all the way saying, come on. You can do it. When my children started taking their first steps way back in the day, you know, they, we, it was so exciting to see them walk even one step. Then they fell. You pick them back up. They started to walk again. That's exactly the way God is with us. When we fall or something, we miss it. He's not there to say, you didn't, you should have walked more. What's wrong with you? <laughs> he just picks us up and says, come on, honey, you can do this. You can do this. God is such an encourager. He will stay with you thick and thin. So many times people get under guilt. And I'll close with this. So, so many times people get under guilt and condemnation about what they have or haven't done. And that, you know, you got to lay that stuff aside. You just, you can't, you can, none of us, myself included, were never meant to function under a spirit of guilt and condemnation. It's hard to function like that. But if you know that you are loved unconditionally and accepted unconditionally in spite of your idiosyncrasies and faults and failures, 
you have the confidence to stand up and go forward. And you can, I can do this. God's with me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Boy, today I just believe that God was just taking the time to really minister to our spirits, which is our souls too, you know. Let's just thank Him right now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to your name, Lord. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Father. I, I really believe with all my heart that, that it's a heart cry of all of us in this room that we desire to walk a closer walk with the Lord. How many of you want that near hand here? You want a closer, more intimate walk with Christ on this earth? Hmm. I pray for each one of us, Lord, as we leave here today, that our walk with you this week, starting today, Lord, of what was communicated, much of this, Lord, I had no idea I was even going to say what I said today, Father, but I believe that it's for a purpose. And I ask you, Lord, to reveal to us, each one of us here, How much show us how much you really do care for us and love us. That that's the drawing factor, Lord. That's what draw drew me into you, Lord, is understanding how much you love me. And I pray for all of us today, Lord, that we would understand that love, unconditional love that you have for us, that you have nothing but good for us in our future, Father. Help us to walk out our walks individually with you, Lord. Help us to keep things so simple. Not complicated, Lord, but very, very simple. Hallelujah. As we walk with you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus. 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 We praise you. Let's thank him right now. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands toward the Lord. Get used to doing that, even on your, in, your, in your own privacy. Just get used to doing that. Just, oh, Lord, I love you. I bless you. I worship you, Father. I surrender to you, Father, today. Praise God. Today, Lord, we surrender. Our, our, we can make a fresh commitment to you, Lord, in our hearts toward you, Father. We make a fresh commitment in our hearts, Lord, to put first things first in our walk with you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. The Lord just reminded me of something right now, and I'll just give this out, just like he showed me in my spirit right now, that many things that have become very difficult for some that are here, very frustrating at times, that will begin to change rather quickly. Those mountains and those hills that are what we call problems will be removed so much quicker when you put your focus on me, saith the Lord. When you focus your attention on me and you focus your soul and your spirit over on me and your mind upon me, I will keep you in perfect peace. That's what I've said in my word. And as you focus on me, you'll hear more clearly on a regular daily basis. You'll hear clearly what I am saying to you. And you'll stop and you'll say, my Lord, I didn't know it could be this strong. I didn't know it could be this good. But know this, I desire more than anything else, saith the Lord, to speak to you and to commune with you and to sup with you and to fellowship with you on a regular basis. And as you do that, and as you manage that, saith the Lord, and your walk with me, the things that used to dog you, the things that used to hold you back, will no longer hold you back because now you'll be receiving fresh strength from heaven right out of your spirit. And those tables will turn. There will be a 180. There will be a change, but it will not be a change that you've done in the flesh. 
It'll be a change that you've made in your spirit and your walk with me. And so as you make that change and as you fellowship with me and as you set your heart and your attention upon me, saith the Lord, those things that took so much time and even lagged behind will change suddenly. And all of a sudden, there will be suddenlies in your life. Things will turn around. Relationships will turn around. Your kids will turn around. Your finances will turn around. Your job situation will turn around. That spouse will turn around. That difficult person will have a change of heart. Why? Because you've put me first. And when you honor me, you are setting yourself up for divine promotion from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Now breathe into us fresh life today, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up together.